Good morning. It's Wednesday, the 28th of June, and I'm Govind Raj Ethiraj in transit and missing the rains and chaos of Mumbai, India's financial capital. Our top reports for the day the real Bombay club of finance giants. Notes from an HDFC HDFC bank merger. Why Go Air and small airlines must merge or consider merging to survive. And hmm, India is in high spirits as alcohol sales hit new highs. This is a core report with Govindraj Atiraj. The Real Bombay Club. This, which is the HDFC Bank and HDFC merger, was touted as the merger of the decade, and that took a decade or more in the making. HDFC Bank and HDFC will merge as of July 1st, and the shares of HDFC will start trading as HDFC Bank from July 13th. Those who have taken home loans from HDFC could technically benefit if the book becomes part of HDFC Bank, which is a bank, and thus able to access lower cost capital. But this seems a little theoretical at this point, since HDFC rates were already on par with banks, because despite not being a bank and a non-bank finance company or NBFC, it was able to access very low cost money. So this is something that we have to see how it will play out. Now, the combined size will be about $168 billion in assets. And there are a bevy of other businesses, including insurance and asset management or mutual fund companies, which all become part of one big happy family. Or so we think. HDFC has enjoyed considerable premium for, of course, its performance, but also the highly professional nature of its management in both the mortgage company as well as the retail bank. Here is what Deepak Parikh, HDFC chairman, said in April last year when the merger was first announced, a move which many expected to happen someday, particularly after HDFC Bank Managing Director Aditya Puri retired. The Board of Directors of HDFC Limited and the Board of Directors of HDFC Bank at their respective meetings held today have approved an all-stock amalgamation of HDFC with HDFC Bank. The amalgamation is subject to the approval of shareholders of HDFC and HDFC Bank respectively. RBI, stock exchanges, SEBI and such other regulatory approvals as may be required for approving this merger. Only upon obtaining all approvals when the merger will become effective. HDFC will merge with HDFC Bank. Shareholders of HDFC will receive shares of HDFC Bank in exchange of the share in HDFC at the approved share exchange ratio. Mansi Mehta and Company and Deloitte Stouche, appointed by HDFC and Bank respectively, have recommended a share exchange ratio which has been accepted by the respective boards. Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, Securities and Morgan Stanley provided the fairness opinion on the share exchange ratio both to HDFC and HDFC Bank respectively. Accordingly, shareholders of HDFC Limited will receive 42 shares of the bank for 25 shares held in HDFC Limited. The shares held by HDFC Limited in the bank will be cancelled. Post-closing, HDFC Bank will be 100% owned by public shareholders and existing shareholders of HDFC Limited will own about 40% of the bank. So there won't be any promoter left in the HDFC bank. It will be all in the market. As today, HDFC has no promoters and the entire shareholding is in the, listed in the market and can be traded. 
Similarly, HDFC Bank now, earlier we had 21% of the shares, now it will all be in the market. Both of us have been evaluating the pros and cons of a possible merger for mutual benefit of both institutions. The merger is coming together of equals. Customers of both HDFC and the bank will be the biggest beneficiary. HDFC was born in 1977 thanks to the efforts of Asmukh Bhai Parik or H.T. Parik. Before starting HDFC, he worked in a stockbroking firm, in some ways setting the unified financial services template that was to follow in coming years. He also, by the way, taught economics in St. Xavier's College in Mumbai for a few years. In 1956, interestingly, he joined what is the father or mother of the present ICICI Bank, then called the Industrial Credit and Investment Corporation of India or ICICI as a Deputy General Manager and then finally rose to Chairman of the company. But it was in 1977 that he decided to focus on solving the problem of finance for homes and started HDFC. He passed away in November 1994. Deepak Parikh joined HDFC and his uncle HD Parikh in 1978 and he will now step down as chairman in 2023 with the merger. He is 78 years old and I'm racing through some of this history because I want to get to the point very quickly. But a little more before I do that. HDFC Bank was born in 1994 in a room at the HDFC quarters in Raman House, Churchgate, once neighbours to the Aditya Birla Group headquarters and Hindustan Lever, before those companies moved northwards in Mumbai City. So, along with ICICI Bank and Axis Bank, which sprung out of UTI, I would term these institutions very broadly the real Bombay club, or the Bombay model of financial inception and success, whose roots lie in highly talented and competent financial managers, but more importantly, financial visionaries in the 1980s and 90s and whose peers also set up, by the way, the National Stock Exchange, the Central Depository, creating fundamental and sweeping and structural changes in the Indian financial market system. And more importantly, setting the blueprint for many to follow. Like I pointed out earlier, HD Parek spent time in stockbroking and then in ICICI before setting up HDFC. So the real Bombay club of finance giants, as opposed to the original club, which were mostly rooted in the Confederation of Indian Industry or CII in the 1990s and were exploring what to do or how to slow down the opening up of the economy because their business was being hurt, has brought about tremendous changes in India's financial economy and has also driven its sophistication. The next rung of younger companies which followed, many worked for ICICI and others, some came from stockbroking, but all eventually or some of them at least set up pretty large enterprises. Edelweiss, IIFL and Motila Loswal are some examples of the 90s. Kotak Bank owed its inception to Kotak Mahindra Finance Limited, a leasing and finance company and is today a diversified financial services giant led of course by a bank and Uday Kotak. There were of course others who set up banks could not succeed because of various reasons including malfeasance but in most cases the smaller institutions were gobbled up by the larger. The new Bombay club has played an important role in furthering regulation, regulatory practices in finance and continues to do so. Madhubi Puri Butch, who is the chairman of the Securities and Exchange Board of India now, started her career in ICICI, was seen as a KV Kamath, earlier chairman, protege, ran ICICI Securities as managing director before moving out. So there are many, many examples. As the HDFC twins merge, and there are many interesting things to discuss and to bring forth from both companies, including on the financial side, from me, the markets, I feel, will look forward to more talent and growth to eventually finance the economic dreams that all of us have. 
should go air merge. Go First, earlier known as Go Air, appears to have taken another step towards resumption of services. The airline, founded by the Wadia Group, which also owns the well-known Britannia Biscuits and Bombay Dying Textile brand, has been grounded since May 4th or close to two months now. This has meant that some 59 aircraft belonging to it have remained parked in airports across the country, taking the total number of aircraft grounded in India at this point to roughly 130 of the country's fleet of 684. News agency Reuters has reported that lenders to go first, presently under bankruptcy protection, have approved an interim funding of 450 crore rupees to get the airline running again. The airline had reportedly sought between 400 and 600 crore rupees of additional funds from banks. The airline's bankruptcy filing lists Central Bank of India, Bank of Baroda, IDBI Bank and Deutsche Bank amongst its creditors, to whom the airline owes a total of 6,521 crore rupees. The way forward now is that the country's aviation authority, the Directorate General of Civil Aviation or the DGCA, has to approve the plan and give an overall green signal, amongst, I'm assuming, other paperwork that has to be done. Go First plans to operate 78 daily flights with 22 aircraft as per its revival plan presented to lenders last week, which would mean that a majority of its aircraft would still remain grounded at this point. So the issue, therefore, is what happens next. It's almost like an insanely speeded up version of Aviation Rip Van Winkle, where if you went to sleep on May 4th, 2023 and got up, let's say, on July 4th, 2023, the aviation world in India would have and has changed. In eight weeks, Indigo has taken perhaps a 61% share of the market. In the same period, Indigo has announced, while Air India has firmed up, the acquisition of something like a thousand aircraft. None of these aircraft are going to start landing in the next few weeks, but the trajectory and direction is set. Indigo's stock price, guess what, is going up because the stock market is rewarding the airline's market share, profitability and ambitious growth plans, which in turn will secure its medium-term future. Yesterday, UBS Group, the investment bank, raised the target price on Interglobe Aviation or Indigo stock from 2,690 to 3,300, implying an upside of around 6% from Monday's closing price. The rating was maintained at buy for the parent company of Indigo Airline. Now, newcomer Akasa Airlines has also announced its own expansion plans, saying that it would order four additional Boeing 737-8 jets at the recently concluded Paris Air Show, a follow-up to the already placed order for 72 aircraft, taking it to a total of 76 aircraft, including 23 737-8s and 53 higher-capacity 737-8-200 aircraft. Vistara will bring in 10 aircraft, though the airline is set to merge with Air India since the Tatas are common parents. Singapore Airlines has a 49% stake in Vistara. Now, if I were a Vistara hand, I would resist this merger tooth and nail, but then eventually give in because that's what you do in the world of business. You align with the greater good and for God and country. Back on Earth, aviation consultancy Kappa India CEO Kapil Kaul told me two weeks ago that the Indian aviation market was actually on sound footing after a long time. He felt that the presence of Air India and Indigo as large players brought in a stability not seen here for a while. In such a market, Go First, with or without its biscuits to textiles promoters, is on weak footing and will remain so even if its finances improve. To spend a moment on that, or on numbers, in a broad sense, demand is undoubtedly strong and is likely to hold for some time. India is currently doing around 139 million domestic passengers in terms of run rate and 59 million international passengers. 
Kappa projects that this will hit 160 million domestic and around 75 million international by the end of this financial year. So that's not too long away. So passenger load factors are quite high now, partly due to reduced capacity, but demand is looking good and maybe even better. And a lot of infrastructure is also coming in, including expansion of airports and new airports, particularly in smaller cities. And macro factors like crude oil prices also seem favorable, at least now. And yet, the dice is not equally divided. Go first's problems are known. SpiceJet with another 72 aircraft is also struggling on the financial side, which in turn is affecting operations. So broadly, one end of the market looks stable, the other end does not. A situation like this in many ways is crying for consolidation, which means that Go first, since we began with them, must seek to merge if only to prevent a repeat of May 4th. Of course, the market may go gangbusters, more of us may fly and many times more in the year and the bottom line could become sound soon enough. After all, Indigo also swung back from losses only recently. But the stars don't seem to be looking that bright for individual carriers. The director of an airline once told me that the first four to five years always go well and after that the problems start, particularly if the path to profitability is not established. And of course, something out of the blue comes and hits you, like COVID-19 did. There is another point, which is a conglomerate versus a non-conglomerate. The Tatas who own Air India are a diversified conglomerate. Indigo is mostly an airline company, though the founders are diversified into hospitality, but came from travel. Go First belongs to a diversified conglomerate too, as we spoke about earlier, that's biscuits to textiles. Possibly the time has come for India to go the way of carriers in some other markets where the airlines are focused businesses, like in Europe and the United States being classic examples. Or allow yourself to become part of a larger entity. Maybe that will bring about the true stability that this market or the aviation industry in India needs. Hmm, it's flowing. Booze, that is. You may remember the lines of people outside wine shops. Now, wine, as you know, is a general term for all things alcohol in India during COVID-19. It did appear at the time that the only thing people needed to tide over lockdowns was a good supply of alcohol. Anyway, sales of Indian-made foreign liquor, it's a technical term, rose 14% in volume terms to 385 million cases, while premium products priced over 1,000 rupees per 750 milliliter bottle went up 48%. More significantly, lines or no lines, sales are almost 12% higher than pre-COVID levels of 2019-20, a report from the Confederation of Indian Alcoholic Beverage Companies or CBAC has said. A quick note to self, while discussing premiumization of white goods and consumer appliances, remember that people are also up trading when it comes to alcohol and the good things in life. Indians consume whiskey the most, with a sales volume of almost 243 million cases or 63% of sales of the industry. So, you may not drink whiskey, but your neighbor quite likely does. The south of India is the largest contributor to sales volume, with 58%, and this has been the case for many years, followed by west and east parts of India, which are about 22% equally. The western region grew the fastest though. Growth this year is expected to be around 8% to end at around 412 to 415 million cases. And for those of you who are gin and tonic types and have remained steadfastly so all these intervening years, gin has apparently begun to grow as a category again. So clearly there are more of you. And finally, you may recall the ruckus in and around Delhi with excise policy changes, graft charges, brands not being available and whatnot. Well, Despite all that, sales in the state has grown 36% year-on-year. 
That's it from me on that happy spirited note. See you tomorrow and have a great day. This was the core report with me Govindraj Ethiraj. Do stay connected with more of our coverage at the core. You can check out our website or sign up to our newsletter at www.thecore.in that is www.thecore.in or follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook as well. Now, we would love your feedback on how we can make business more interesting and relevant to you including our reporting on India's vibrant manufacturing sector. Write to us at feedback at the core.in. Thank you for listening.